I'd love it if you'd uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, uh, please go and grab uh, one from the back on the shelves, um, or you can look up the YouVersion app or the ESV app. Uh, they're brilliant apps to, to follow along with. Um, I was going to say, I wonder if uh, John would be so kind as to put these verses up, but I know that he does know the verse references, because that ding that you heard in Colin's prayer, that was John receiving the WhatsApp message I just sent him, telling him what, what passage to put up. So... Uh, I hope we've muted that channel now. Don't all message John just to test it if it's still live. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 38. Uh, Let's read God's word. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem, Jesus, to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That's a little glimpse of the the lowly means of Mary and Joseph, uh, that they had that to offer. Entirely appropriate offering, but it was an offering for those who maybe didn't have a grander one there. Verse 25, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel." And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And the sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84, or some translations say that she was a widow for 84 years. The the original language is not clear there. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Amen. Praise God for his word to us. Well, what a season of waiting we've had this Advent season. Waiting in hope, waiting in expectation for breakthrough, for that sense of resolution that we've been longing for. And in a sense, These weeks of Advent have felt just like the continuation of a deeper longing that we've had over many weeks, many months, and indeed many years. And while there is a sense in which we wait still, there is a wonderful sense of rejoicing as we know that our watchfulness has not been in vain. The moment we've been waiting for has come. 
at great cost. And in that, we now see new horizons opening up before us and greater freedom and joy day by day. It's true, our joy has come, our waiting is over, the AWPR is finally open. Rejoicing is here. (laughs) Admittedly, for some more than others. Uh, I have to tell you, Scott McDonald is disproportionately excited about the opening of the AWPR. He had actually warned me that he was going to take a day of annual leave uh, just to drive up and down the AWPR. But uh, just so you know, so committed to you is your pastor, Scott, that, he, uh, that he, this never actually ended up happening. I don't even actually think he's made it to Stonehaven yet, so maybe he's waiting for the full and final completion of his waiting to come when the full road happens. <laughs> there has been an awful lot of waiting, and there's still a little bit of waiting to be done. And that's what I want us to think about this morning, waiting. Not, of course, waiting for a road to be finished, but this posture of waiting that we've had in these weeks of Advent. As I mentioned uh, four weeks ago, I think, Advent literally means to come, and uh, this is a time when we have turned our hearts to the coming Messiah, a time when we choose to purposefully embrace a disposition of waiting, of expectancy. Now, that's a strange thing in some ways for Christians to do, for us to have a season of of waiting for something to come. Because, of course, um, week by week, as Jesus' church, whether we're gathered here or whether we are scattered around from Monday to Saturday as well, Um, We live our lives in the church. We are celebrating the finished work of Jesus. That's what we sometimes will talk about, the finished work of Jesus. In so many ways, as Christians, as followers of God, in so many ways, we are not waiting. So listen to this glorious list of things that we're not waiting for. We're not waiting for this world to be created. Duh. Uh, We're all here, uh, and we all can experience the beauty of God's creation. We're not waiting for God to show us who He is. We're not waiting for life and for a sense of meaning. I think we all know that, at least in part. We're not waiting for God to show us His heart of love. We're not waiting for God to make a way possible for us to come home to our Father In the heavens, we're not waiting for God to be victorious over death and evil. We're not waiting for God's presence and His power to come into His life, as was just rightly prayed. We can sense God's presence here among us. We're not waiting for God to draw us into family relationships with sisters and brothers who we can trust and open up our lives to. We're not waiting for God's work to continue and to spread and for that work to intersect with the way that He has wired you and me so that we can take part in the work of God with great fulfillment and great joy. And it's not just about a Sunday thing, but it's about all the hours that God has given you. We're not waiting for any of those things, right? Praise God. Those things have come. Those things are sure. God is present. God is active. God is at work. God 
God is moving and speaking and providing and blessing. God is here and is at work in so many wonderful ways. And yet, we wait. And we have sought to focus in on this Advent season. Every year, we give these four Sundays over to the special focus of waiting. Why? Well, there's lots of reasons, but can I just share two with you? One is that we do this to to magnify our sense of wonder that Jesus has come, that he already has come. Fifty years from now, no one's going to care about this exciting opening of the AWPR, not least because we'll all be traveling by jetpacks and flying DeLoreans, I'm sure, at that point, right? Um, but but, but no one's going no to care about the, the arrival of the AWPR. It will be old news. We'll just be complaining about potholes probably uh, by that point. Um, but, but even, forget roads, even the most precious things in our, in our lives, the greatest gifts that we have ever received, we come to grow used to having them. They just, once cherished, now just part of the furniture, so to speak. And even the fact that God has come to us, even that greatest of gifts, we can take that for granted. We do take that for granted, right? Just week by week. So, for a few weeks every year, we, in a sense, transport ourselves back and we wait in our hearts We wait for His coming. We read the Old Testament prophetic passages. We remember the sense of longing that there is in them. We identify with that. We ponder the centuries of silence before Jesus' arrival, and we reflect and we soak in the wonder that God came, Emmanuel, God with us. He came to us, and He is with us now. That's one reason for Advent. And secondly, this time of Advent reminds us that we wait still. We wait still. (coughs) Excuse me. Jesus has come, and Jesus is still to come. We focus here week by week on our great God who was and who is and who is to come. When Jesus did all those wonderful things and many, many more that I mentioned before, that finished work of God, he ascended into the heavens and Jesus is still now sitting and reigning at the right hand of God the Father. But the story's not over. The conclusion is clear, but the story is not over. Which of these can you identify with? Which of these speaks to your heart this morning? The victory is one through Jesus' death and resurrection. But the defeated enemy still flails and fights on the way down. The debts have been settled, but the good news of those settled accounts hasn't yet got to all the recipients of that amazing mercy. Our home in the heavens is bought and paid for in full. But Jesus' work of preparing that home for us is continuing still. Perfect justice has been secured and displayed on the cross, but we are still wronged 
by people in this world. Many millions of people around the world suffer injustice, and we still wrong others. But take heart and know that no wrong act, no injustice goes unnoticed by God. He is taking account of every single wrong that is done to you and that is done in this world. And it is dealt with either on the cross of Jesus Christ or it will be dealt with on the final judgment day. Dear friends, can you identify with this? All sickness has been decisively dealt with, but the medicine is still to be fully dispersed. All sadness is done away with. But while God wipes away our tears, and some of them are wiped away, some of our tears fall from our face into his bottle, and he knows and records every single tear that is still falling. The warmth and the beauty of God's perfect light has dawned, but we're still struggling with only glimpses of that as through a dark glass. The wedding feast is prepared and ready, but the full list of guests, misfits like you and me, have yet to be gathered in for this great celebration It's coming. The robe and the ring and the sandals and the fattened calf are ready, but the Father is still earnestly out looking to gather those who would come back into his arms to welcome his children home. The story is not over. The conclusion's clear, but we still have to wait. And that's part of what this season of Advent has been about. It's part of what the Christian life is about, not just this season. You see, the truths of the Scriptures only make sense. The Bible is only truly good news when we realize that we are waiting for the final chapter. We speak sometimes here about the now and not yet that we live in the now and the not yet. These are both vitally important. As you read your Bible, imagine them as a watermark across every page. Now, it's for now, but it's not yet. Or maybe perhaps better put, I mean, that has a nice ring to it, now and not yet, but maybe a better way to say it would be not, not yet, but soon. Now and soon, or now and coming. It's not, the, I don't think the Scriptures communicate that we are sort of passively held back from something, but rather the, the way that the New Testament speaks is that, is that there is a now reality to this, and there is, a, there is a soon coming reality which we are invited to, to walk into actively ourselves. And as we walk, we're waiting for that journey to reach its final conclusion. So while waiting, friends, walk well. That's what Simeon and Anna did. They were waiting, and they walked well the course of life that was laid out for them. So back to Luke 2. Both of these characters here, Simeon and Anna, were likely very elderly. 
I mean, Luke specifically mentions 84 years when referring to Anna, but it might have been that she was even older than that, if it, if it, if it does mean that she was divorced, uh, for, sorry, widowed, forgive me, for 84 years. But Simeon isn't given an age, but the sense communicated by Luke is that he's been waiting a long time. There's this sense that when Jesus comes, verse 29, he is now able to depart in peace. But listen to how Simeon and Anna walked the path as they waited. Listen to how they're described. So if you look at verse 25, you get to this character Simeon. He is described as righteous and devout. That is to say that he honored God with how he lived. People could have looked on at his life and seen moral integrity and uprightness. He was righteous and he was devout. He was authentic in his devotion to God. And then there are these lovely verses from verse 25 to 27 where it's clear that the Holy Spirit, end of verse 25, the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came to the temple that day in the Spirit. So there's this amazing sense of him knowing the presence of God, God's Spirit on him. There is a lovely sense, I think, of you catch a glimpse of the love and the gentleness that Simeon had. It says there that he took uh, the baby up in his arms and he blessed God. And then Let's read this little hymn of Simeon's from verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He's holding this baby, but he sees much more than a baby. He sees the saving work that God will do through this baby in his arms. I've seen not just a little baby, I've seen your salvation. He sees all that that God has prepared for all peoples. And then we see this heart, and from verse 34 onwards, for, for Simeon to bring God's blessing. It says there, Simeon blessed Mary and Joseph. And in doing that, as he blesses Mary and Joseph, he also is a truth teller. He tells God's truth. Mary and Joseph are in this wonderful moment of marveling at all that Simeon has said. But Simeon goes on to share some difficult things all in this moment of blessing. He doesn't shy away from the difficult realities that will come in the wonder of this child. So Simeon, just this remarkable man, and then it goes straight on to speak about Anna. And Anna is described as a prophetess, someone who spoke the words of God to the people around about her. We get a sense of her commitment and passion for God in the second part of verse 37 where it says, she did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. As I was thinking, just as a very brief aside, I was thinking here about some of our elderly folk in this congregation. I met with one of them this week, and she was saying that she felt that she was in the minority, that there weren't too many elderly folk in our church, and I think that's probably true. But isn't it interesting that from my perspective, some of our most consistent week-in, week-out attenders, attendees in this church are those in their later years. It's challenging, encouraging, wonderfully encouraging. Well, here's Anna, at least 84, and she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. 
And, and you have to acknowledge that likely her life would have been very difficult, decades without her husband. But she did not give up on God, decade after decade, worshiping, fasting, praying, day and night. And then it just says in verse 38, I love it, it's like she's, she's gone out for her sandwich and it's time to come back. Coming up at that very hour, you know, she's been worshiping and fasting day and night, but she's gone out for a little bit. She's coming back. Uh, she comes back at that very hour. She began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Do you see again? She's pointing away from herself to Jesus, giving thanks to God and pointing to those who are waiting, waiting for God to bring peace and hope she's pointing them to Jesus. How Simeon and Anna waited. They didn't give up. They walked their path well, living with integrity, living with zeal for God, with with worship and prayerfulness, and with great endurance of faith. Dear friends, this is our calling. This is our calling while waiting that we would walk well. The story is not over. Take heart. Jesus is coming. Hold on and walk your path well as you do. The New Testament is saturated with this call to wait, to hold on, to keep your eyes fixed on the fact that Jesus is coming one day to allow your life to be shaped by that reality that the story is not over. And as you do that, to walk well as you wait. The challenge that I had as I was preparing now is I just wanted to read a ton of other Bible passages to you, but I've limited myself to three little questions as we close. And I am going to throw in a few scriptures as we get to these questions, but three little questions from the lives of Simeon and Anna as you begin to consider the close of 2018 and the coming of another year. Question one, as you wait for Jesus, are you walking with zeal for God? I mean, the lovely thing about this question is, probably the people who have been living with zeal for God would be the people who would say, yes, I want more of that. So this is a question that we can all say yes to. Are we living with zeal for God? The passion and the earnest devotion and love that seemed so clear in the life of Simeon and in the life of Anna. Do you know that passion for God there? Do you know the the passion described in Hebrews 9, 28? Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin. He's done that. But it goes on in Hebrews 9, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Are you waiting eagerly for Jesus? Not just for peace and hope in a detached sense, not just for resolution to the struggles that you face, but are you waiting eagerly for Jesus? All those things are good things to want to feel, that we should indeed feel, that we, that this, we know that this world is not as it should be, and we, we yearn for peace, we yearn for rest, we yearn for comfort and space and hope. Those things are wonderful things to hope for, but they're found as we eagerly wait for Jesus. 
I know I'm not marked by the prayerfulness, the devoutness, the worshipfulness, and the faith of Simeon and Anna, but I want to be. Do you want to be? As you look to a coming year, we can help one another in this. As you wait for Jesus, are you walking with zeal for God? May it be Hillview Community Church, that we would be a community marked out by passion and love and devotion for God. Second question. As you wait for Jesus, are you walking in integrity? Are you walking in integrity with the righteousness that Simeon had? and with the God-honoring life that Anna had. Listen to these words from Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared. This is what we've been celebrating, right? The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. What does that mean for you? You'll know. What are the worldly passions that you are inclined to chase after? They'll be different for all of us here. But we are called to renounce them. And we're called to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of our glory, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us. He has made it possible for us to be set free from the worldly passions that are holding us back. What a gift, what a God, right? He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works, zealous for God, zealous for good works. As you wait for Jesus, are you walking in integrity? God's grace comes into our lives, not so that we can just look back to a certain moment where we felt that we were saved and rescued by Him, but that reality is proved by how we walk forward from that day with His Spirit in in our lives, gazing upon the glory of Jesus and being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Are you zealous for that grace of God in your life that would help you renounce ungodliness, turn away from worldly passions? And can we as a community, again, be marked by a people who would open our hearts and say, God, purify me, purify my heart. Let me, let us be zealous for good works zealous to bring change just wherever you spend most of your time through the week. Start there. What does it look like for you to be eager to pursue God's good works next year over this holiday season? Is that you walking in integrity? And then the last question is this. As you wait for Jesus, do you need to know God's comfort again? In the book of Jude, it speaks of those who will scoff at Christians. 
Maybe you're conscious of that. You think about looking back to 2,000 years ago or looking forward to the coming again of Jesus. Maybe you're conscious that, let's be honest, we're in a culture where lots of people are at best disinterested and certainly many scoff. Scoff. Or maybe you feel a little bit like that yourself. You want to believe. You want to hold on to hope, but there is a sense of scoffing in your hearts. Can all this really be true? I don't feel like it a lot of the time, right? Can you relate to that? Jude says in his letter that he is writing to, verse 1, those who are called of God, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. So that's who you are. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you love Jesus, you're called. You remember Romans 8, 30? Those who God predestined, he called. And those who he called, he justified. And those who he justified, he glorified. So if you're called of God, then you know your status before him is secure You're glorified, past tense in a wonderful sense, through what Jesus has done. You're called, you're beloved in God. You're loved in God the Father, and you're kept for Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 2, in light of that then, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And I I just sense there's some here that just need to know these words here this morning. May mercy be multiplied to you. Brothers and sisters, open your hearts to God's word where it says, may peace be multiplied to you. May love be multiplied to you. And then listen how he writes later in the letter, verse 20. But you, beloved, beloved, that's who you are, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads us to eternal life and have mercy on those who doubt. Don't you love that there are verses like that in the Bible? (laughs) I'm just so thankful for verses like that because they're just so helpful for us who doubt. Here just says, you know what? as you are building yourselves up in God's love, just be aware that there are people around you who are doubting, struggling, far off. Have mercy on them. Be kind to them. Be gentle with them. Love it. Love it. Beloved, building up holy faith, praying in the Spirit, being kept in the love of God, and then listen to his incredible doxology. You see, you see the verses that we've just read, do you, did you notice that... The, The impetus is given to us to pursue these things. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. So it's God's love, but but we we have something to do to keep ourselves in it. But then listen to this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority to this God before all time 
and now and forever. It's God who keeps us. It's God who sustains us. It's God who presents us. The story's not over. This is our hope. This is our hope. He is working. He changes us little by little, year by year. Some months are better than others, but over time, we're being changed into his image. But ultimately, God will lift you. He will present you as blameless. This is our God. This season of Advent will be over soon. But we will continue to wait with that sense of angst and deep struggle because we know the story isn't over yet. So dear friends, while we wait, may we walk well. What do you need today? Do you need passion, zeal for God? Do you need integrity? Do you need comfort in God's keeping for him to hold you? I'd like us to pray for each other. And uh, here's how we're going to do that. In a moment, I'll invite us all to stand, and then we'll have a time of quiet for you to reflect in this season of waiting and in the waiting that is coming, what do you need from God as you reflect on your story that isn't over? And then I'm going to invite those who know they just need a special prayer from a brother or a sister, a special touch from God, I'm going to invite those people to sit down. And I'm just going to invite the other people around about them, just gently, quietly, just to pray for God's blessing and help. Okay? So let's stand. And as uh, Neil rightly prayed earlier, God is here. So let's focus our hearts in on him again. Come with open hands and an open heart. Father in heaven, we, we wait on you now. Thank you that the story is not over. Thank you that the victory is sure, but we're still waiting for the final chapter. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you keep us. You speak to us and guide us. So now we wait for you. And we ask for a special touch of your spirit. And if you know this morning that you need prayer, (coughs) for however God is moving in your heart, for hope, for sustenance, for comfort, for passion, for freedom from worldly struggles, for joy in God, for peace in God. I just invite you just to take your seats and those around you won't say anything weird or anything, they'll just pray for you. Just now, please do that. And I just invite the rest of the church family now. Just be praying for those around you, anyone who's seated. And if no one's seated near you, just press into what God is saying. And let's open our lives to him and let's wait on him in this time. Let's pray.